Are you ready to step into your power? If so, I want to tell you about my brand new one-to-one mentorship program, Powerhouse. Power stands for productivity, organization, wealth, energy, and relationships. The five things that I teach my clients to help them step into their fullest potential. So if you are tired of playing small, ready for change, and want to excel in these five areas, go to jenniferfordberry.com and sign up for a free application call to see if you are ready to be a powerhouse. Welcome to the Make Room Show, formerly titled The 29-Minute Mom. I am your host, Jennifer Fordberry, certified professional organizer, best-selling author, and coach. I have spent the last two decades teaching women how to get organized so that they can free up more space, time, energy, and money. This podcast is for the woman who wants to make room in her home and in her life for the people and the things that matter the most. Each week, I am bringing you episodes that will help you feel less overwhelmed and more inspired to create the life that you deserve. So come on, girl, let's do this together. Welcome back to the Make Room Show, where we are focusing on everything that matters the most to us. And on top of that list, should be the title of my guest book, Free and Fully Alive. I mean, if we're making room for things that matter the most, don't we want to live free and fully alive? So welcome to the show, Carrie Garcia. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Now, Carrie is a pastor, a life coach, the founder of Freedom Movement, and like I mentioned, the author of this newest book. Here is the cover if you're watching us on video. The subtitle is Reclaiming the Story of Who You Were Created to Be. Now, there's an interesting statement to me. Um, it's interesting. So we're created to be a certain person and with a certain purpose, but now we have to learn how to reclaim the story, right? Because we might have forgotten or gotten distracted. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what is the, the premise of this book and why did you write it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think exactly what you just said, you know, what, what an odd thing to have to reclaim who we were created to be. And the truth is, is that I believe that we were formed by a God. And there was destiny written on our bones, just like we know, you know, uh, in Psalms 139, that was fearfully and wonderfully made. We know all these things. We wear it on a t-shirt. We have it on plaques, you know, in our house. Uh, But the truth is, is that we were formed by a God, but we were shaped by a world, right? Mm -hmm. And so that shaping, uh, whether it's in our family of origin, our childhood, you know, the traumas that have marked us, these shapings have kind of created an offshoot of who we were actually created to be. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of the work of sanctification and the process of formation is to really start to reclaim going, God, you had intention for me and the enemy has intention for me. And when we're young, we don't really know what that intention is. We're just trying to survive. We're all just trying to like stay alive, stay in our homes, stay, you know, grow up and try to have a successful life. But for many of us, and myself included, it came down to a point where I was like, man, if the Bible says that he has abundant life for me, then why does this not feel abundant? And what does that even really mean? And how do I get it? 
if God's not a liar and he says that he has an abundant life for me, but I'm facing all these things that are painful and hard. And I feel like a shell of who maybe I'm supposed to be, or kind of this thing in my gut that says there's gotta be something more than this. Then I just really went on a pilgrimage, to be honest with you, to go, what does that really mean? And how do I actually get at this side of heaven? Do I have to wait for heaven to have an abundant life or can I have it here today? And the answer is yes, but there is some things that we have to look at to be able to experience that. Yes. What a good answer. So your, your book says free and fully alive. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between the two? Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the truth. I think we're all free. Uh, once we come to know Jesus, you know, that moment that you accept Jesus in your heart, whether you're a believer or not, we believe that when you ask Jesus in your heart, you become saved, right? Uh, and you become one of God's children. And that moment is the moment you're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then there's this moment when you go to heaven where you are glorified, you have a new body. But this in-between part of our life is called the sanctification part of our life. And that part is where we are free to make a lot of choices, understanding that we are under the, the word of God. We're under God's love, we're under his care, we're under his blood. We're free to make the choices that we that we want to make. However, Uh, In that freedom, we often make choices through the grid of our pain and through the grid of our heartache. And that was for me, I was uh, a drug addict for almost 10 years of my life and uh, struggled with many addictions throughout then. Um, And I was free to make those choices. I really was. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just like Paul says, I, I can do all things, but not all things are profitable. I am free under it. However, I realized I was not fully alive. Even though I was free to make the choices that I could make, I was living half of a person. It was like as if parts of me were still severed from the wholeness of who God created me to be. And I'm like, man, I believe in a God that is abundant. I want all of it. I want the freedom and to live fully alive to this life. And that took me on the journey of going, I want the and. I want both. I want all of it. And if God says it's all for me, then I'm going to take him at his word. And I want to figure out why I don't have all of it. And I want to find out how I can. Yes. Yes. We're free, but we don't behave like we're free. A lot of times yeah. we are, it's yeah, our own right. minds that get us in trouble and tell us we're not free. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as simple as walking into a party and there's somebody there that just bothers you and you have a choice to, you know, let it bother you the entire party maybe take it a step further, go and confront that person. Maybe, you know, on and on, or you can just say, you can make the choice. Like, I don't have to let it bother me at all. Just Mm -hmm. don't let it bother you. Right. Right. But we get stuck. It's like, we're, we're a lot of times we're a slave to our thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, we're a slave to our nervous system really, but yes, we are. I mean, the truth is, is that, that would be the question I would ask. What a great analogy. I go into a room, I'm frustrated with this person uh, and I have a choice to be angry with them or not. The question for me is, why are you not able to choose the latter, the let it go? Mm -hmm. And it's not because you don't want to. Right. It's not because you don't want to. So my question was in writing this book to help you understand that it's not just because you you don't want to, or you don't have enough willpower, or you don't care enough. I think we deeply want to be free. I think we deeply want to go like, I don't care. I can let it go. So my question is, why are you not able to? And it's not just because you're a bad person or you don't care. There's actually a lot of things going on in your story 
Are you protecting yourself? Uh, is there a nervous system response? Does it feel dangerous? There's mm -hmm. a lot of questions we have to ask ourselves and that comes into, into play into our story, how we've been shaped by this world and why that person brings about such threat to you and what is your response in that threat? Mm -hmm. It's not just as easy to go, oh, I just don't wanna care about this. If it right. was, we all would be, we all would be great. But there's, there lies the freedom in it to me is that you have that choice and mm -hmm. it's, but the story the, is what provokes the triggers, right? The right. trigger, I might have a trigger with the person in the room. It has nothing to do with the person, right? It has oh, to do 100%. with the, my past, right? And what right. I've experienced in before. Um, so one thing that I love in this book, it's on page 30, and it's during the chapter of the cycle of false freedom. And mm -hmm. it basically talks about how, um, what a weekly cycle might look like. And I want to briefly talk about it because I've seen this be true in so many of my clients' lives. Mm -hmm. When I'm, you're working with people like me that are doing, you know, are you like life coach work and they start out like rah, rah, I'm so pumped up. I'm ready to change my life. And then why don't they stick with the process? You know, maybe it takes like a second start or a third start, but you basically in this weekly cycle, you're saying Sunday is like church, you're worshiping, you feel close to God, you're full and happy Monday list, list, list with the energy from Sunday, you write the long to-do list, the goal list, the list of the lists you need, and you feel the urge to perform and kill it and do all the right things. By Tuesday, the euphoria begins to wane. It feels overwhelming. The enemy begins to whisper all that junk, right? Like you're never mm -hmm. going to get all this done. And you were stupid for thinking you could Wednesday, the shame spiral begins. You feel like a fraud believing you'll never be anything more than a slacker, a bad parent, an unloving spouse, maybe a disorganized person Thursday. The emotions are too much to bear. So now you're starting to feel disappointment, shame. And that's when you might turn to a vice like alcohol, drugs, cleaning, binging, watching TV, scrolling through social media, gossiping with a friend. Friday, the self-justification begins to set in. The guilt of not doing all the things you set out to accomplish begins to fade. And you tell yourself, it's fine. I didn't need to do any of that stuff anyways. <laughs> and Saturday, your feeling isn't real happiness. It's escapism. You, The fatigue is overwhelming and your internal dialogue is chaos. Okay. A lot of people can relate to this. Like they're hearing that going, oh my God, they know me. Mm -hmm. So talk to them. Yeah. I mean, here's the truth. I'm exhausted just hearing you say all of it. <laughs> like I feel my body. I was like, just even you having to get the words out. I'm like, oh my gosh, we need to take a breath. Right. <laughs> it's so much. Right. Yeah. And so I, I would imagine for those of you that are listening, if we just paused for a second and we asked the deeper question, how tired are you? <laughs> How tired are you? There's nothing wrong with wanting to make goals. There's nothing wrong with doing it. What I'm explaining here is a cycle of external worth trying to be the place where we find internal value. And that's that idea of going, it's really, a, it's really what I explain there is a cycle of addiction. Any kind of thing that's outside of really heart transformation we are looking to behaviors to try to fill the voids and the heartache and really avoid the pain of dealing with our life in its totality. And so when we look back at the stories that have shaped us, we, they, they have pain in them. That's why we don't want to sit with them. 
So this weekly cycle, and this could be a weekly cycle. This could be a monthly cycle. This could all happen within an hour. You know, I mean, I just broke it down in a week there just for you to have an idea. But really what I'm trying to get at is going, where in your life are you looking to the behavior, the modifying of the behavior, the cycle of false freedom to try to mitigate, avoid, minimize dealing with the root places of your life where these things that you feel about yourself that are keeping you stuck really feel true. Where did they come from? Where did they go? So we're going to have to take a look at, I'm in the cycle of false freedom that just keeps going and going and going behavior after behavior. I'm going to kill it for the kingdom. (laughs) Gross. No one's (laughs) killing it for the kingdom. You know, we're barely just getting our pants on. I mean, it's the truth, right? You know, anybody else, like I barely could button my pants today. So the truth is, is that we are being engaged and invited into counterfeit freedom through our own ability to try to crush it, kill it, numb it, escape it. And the truth is, is that I think that on that Sunday morning experience, what we really need to take a look at is where did I, where was I shaped by falsity and lies? And and how do I need to come in honesty back to those places so that I can grieve, weep, lament over what happened, and then start to regain a sense of, I will do these things out of a whole heart rather than do these things to create a whole heart. Mm. And I think, you know, it's important important to point out, nobody's getting through life without some hardships. Like you're not, there's people listening are thinking, well, what do I have to figure out to be right? But part like to be okay. But the part of the story that we're forgetting is we were perfect we are perfect. We're sent here to learn and evolve and these challenges and these things that bug us and trigger us. It's a real opportunity to look inside and grow from it and figure out how to overcome all of the challenges because these are, this is a normal human experience, right? right? So it's all part of the story. Nobody gets out of it. No, no one gets out of it. Okay. I want to talk about chapter five, a courageous act. Mm-hmm. And it says, let's, let's be clear. Courage is anything, but being fearless, fear, being fearless is impossible. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about that. I mean, I love that. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I know, bless your guys' hearts. I know there's women out there that are going to be listening to this, literally wearing a t-shirt that says I'm fearless. You know, I know <laughs> that because I've been in this, I've been in this realm long enough. And let me just say, you don't have to go burn the shirt. However, you may fear hyphen less, but you will not fear less. God wrote, do not fear 365 times in the Bible, which means that it is not a condemnation. It is an invitation to say, guys, I know you're going to fear. And so every day I'm going to remind you just like a good parent. Hey, I got you. I know you're scared today. I got you. I think we become people that try to eradicate our humanity and it's not impossible. It's impossible. We cannot mm-hmm. eradicate our humanity. We are human. We are going to be scared. We are going to, it's going to be hard. Courage actually cannot happen if there's not fear. It, it, it cannot live without fear. It's mm-hmm. not courage then. It's just a Tuesday. You know, it's like <laughs> the courage only happens in the face of fear. And so I think what I'd rather say is I am experiencing fear. God, can I invite you into the fear? And it's when I invite you in it, I link arms with you, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is inevitable, 
I know that you're with me in it. I think so often we feel like courage or to crush it or whatever means that the absence of fear and that even freedom in a fully alive life is the absence of fear. And I, I just push back on that and say, I don't see that in scripture. What I see in scripture is that although you will walk through, you will not eradicate the valleys and the valleys of death. You will not eradicate those. But what you can do is know that freedom and a fully alive life is inviting God into the pain and into the promise so that you can hold both hurt and hope in the same breath, both grief and gratitude right together. Fear and faith can coexist together. And that is actually being awakened to your whole life rather than trying to eradicate a part of it. It's actually not overcoming it. It's actually embracing all of it that gives you the ability to actually walk through it. Yes. Yes. So good. So good. I mean, this is all stuff that we're all dealing with. And sometimes we feel like we're the only ones, right. Mm -hmm. That we're dealing Mm -hmm. with this by ourselves. Everybody else has it all figured out. Right. Right. Except for us. Right. Um, and, and the thing about it is, is that really just this book is great because it, it walks you through the different parts of this lifestyle. I mean, you're, you're talking about being a fully alive, then being courageous, how the enemy is attacking us and the Mm -hmm. connection to self, the connections with others. Um, the connection to self is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like we're spending more time putting out fires, running on the hamster wheel, checking social media, than we are listening to our internal dialogue, checking in with ourselves, Mm -hmm. being quiet, remembering who we are, what is Mm -hmm. going on. I feel like women probably actually would feel like they don't have time for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, of course you have time. I mean, Mm -hmm. the reality is of course you have time, but it's what you value and prioritize to sit and connect with yourself is very risky. It means that I'm going to have to feel the sorrow of where I have been missed, where I have been rejected, where I have been lost. Uh, It means I'm going to have to sit in the honest places of that. And when we have been raised in environments or maybe even in our own marriages or in our own, you know, experiences where there's been no one, when we have felt sorrow, sadness, lament, there's been no one to actually hold that with us. It begins a dialogue that says, it's better to shut that down, push that down, push it away. Because if I bring it to the surface, one, it's either going to overtake me or two, who's going to hold it with me? Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel more alone than I do now. And it's actually a lie. It's actually not true. Uh, You won't be overcome by it. What you will be overcome by is your, is your inability to actually engage it. It's, it's actually affecting you way more than, you know. And this is why this connection to self is so important. I mean, look at, look at the 10 commandments. The 10 commandments are like, you know, monotheism, worship only God, don't murder people. And in between that is like, Hey, you need to take time to rest. Why? Because without reflection, hustle without rest creates idolatry. It will create anything that you hustle for and you don't allow for reflection to create repentance, to create invitation, to create connection with God, self, and others, you will move from hustle to idolatry. Whatever you're hustling for without reflection will actually be the thing that owns you and that you're bound to. And yet we are fed the lie that says, if you slow down, it won't get done. Uh, You'll be stuck in it. And, And it's actually the exact opposite. 
when you actually hustle, because hustle is important, you've got to, per the farmer, you got to take care. It's a season to hustle, right? You got to mm-hmm. harvest, but without rest, we can't actually pause and take a look at what worked, what didn't work. God, what do you want to speak? And what do you want to say? How do you want to fill me up? And where do you want me to repent and move towards the places that are keeping me bound so that I can stay soft and in your arms being cared for and tended to by a good shepherd. And that's where we get, we get really messed up because we've not been shepherded well, we've not been cared for well, and we need to be able to grieve that with God and with others. And that starts with getting honest with where we really are. Mm, So good. I love that because if you are fully alive, then you're probably trying to live out your purpose, fulfill your purpose, your assignment here. Mm -hmm. And without checking, like, I love when you say checking in to see what works and what doesn't work. If you don't do that, you could be completely spending all your time hustling in the right, in the wrong direction. Right. Well, you'll be a slave to whatever you're hustling. Yeah. If there's not time for reflection and invitation from God, you'll just be a slave to it. And we're all so a slave to, even in the name of Jesus, I'm doing this for God. And God's going, I, I'm not even, I know you're doing it in my name, but I've lost your face. I didn't ask you to do it maybe. Yeah. And even if I did ask you to do it, if I lose your face, it's not worth it. Right. It's not worth it. I think it's good advice too, for all the women that are business owners that are listening, because when you say the word hustle, just because you are working and being busy all day long on your business does not mean necessarily you're going to be productive. And it's not going Mm -hmm. to necessarily mean that you are going the direction that is the best way to do something. So there could be a really easy way over here, but we're so busy hustling over here. We can't even see what's over here. Right. So really, really powerful to check in. The same can be applied to parenting. Mm-hmm. You could be beating your head against the wall, trying to connect with one of your children. You're just not seeing an open door. You're, tr- you know, you're trying this, trying that, take a step back, pray about it, be quiet, listen, journal, whatever it takes, take some time to reflect. There might mm-hmm. be an easier way. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing I think, I think it was in, uh, yeah. In chapter 13, you talk about this time that you were, ha- first of all, I, it's, it's a funny, just side note, when you start this chapter about how you're going to have arguments in marriages. Mm-hmm. So let's just put that out on the table. You're yeah. going to have arguments probably with anyone that's super close to you, especially yeah. when you live with them. Mm-hmm. And that you, you say in here, I, I've learned how to fight better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's mostly you talk about the story, how you had an argument with your husband and all of a sudden he yells out, what do you need? And mm-hmm. that that statement really opened your eyes to just acknowledging your own needs. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, well, the first thing is if you're not fighting in your marriage and I'm not talking about, you know, blow out, knock down, you know, punch each other fights. I'm talking about, I mean, we don't have to get into all of this, but if you're not actually having confrontation, then probably intimacy and even your arousal structures are probably very shut down. So people living together, uh, sharing space should bring about conflict. And that's actually healthy. Uh, And so we need to learn how to work and and move through conflicts. More often than not, conflicts that aren't, they're either totally eradicate, like we're not going to fight at all. 
I always say constantly that my growing up, my house was the most angry house I've ever known. And no one said a word. No one ever fought. I never saw my parents fight. And yet they were very angry uh, and I could feel it palpably. And then on the flip side of that growing up and not having tools on how to fight fair at the very beginning of my marriage was the most angry home I've lived in. And we fought all the time. And what, what I really come to terms with is understanding one, I needed to do work on myself of really understanding why I operate the way that I do. Cause I truly believe you cannot take people farther than you're willing to go yourself. You, you, you just can't, you want to be a better parent, understand where you weren't parented, understand where you were, what you needed and didn't get, because you actually won't be able to help them without understanding that. And so when that word, when he said, what do you need? It struck me because I don't think in growing up, I really was allowed to say what I needed because my responsibility and my role in my home was to be the caretaker of my father and for us to really collude together against my broken quote unquote mom. So I knew what it meant to be a rescuer, to be the caretaker of my father's emotions, to look at my mom and her neediness as weak. And I was like, my mom needed everything. She was a hot mess, you know, just, just a hot, hot mess. And so it was easy to go, well, that's weakness. I'm never going to be like that. My dad's strong and we're in this together. So my relationship with my husband was me always kind of needing something from him, but never knowing how to name that. And so it just made me more angry. And it wasn't until we really started to sift through my own story and his own story on his own and figure out, oh my gosh, I actually need someone to care for my emotional needs in a way that is honorable rather than basically uh, being an emotional carrier and not ever receiving anything. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm, So powerful. And I bet you so many women can relate listening to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that should be part of like a course we take before we get married, right? Like you, you really are looking for that person Mm -hmm. to take care of you emotionally in a way that you can trust that person. Mm -hmm. You feel honored, you feel safe, Mm -hmm. but we we don't talk about those things before we get married, right? We're just in love. (laughs) Yep. You can come to my freedom Academy. This is a three-day intensive. (laughs) Do it as your premarital counseling. I promise you it will be the best money you ever spent. We have multiple people that come and do it. And they're like, oh, This is why, because we learn how to hold each other's hearts and we learn about ourselves and why it's so hard for us to do that. Why it's so hard. I'm supposed to trust you and you're a good person. Why don't I? Well, it's probably a little, like what you said, probably not so much about them Mm -hmm. as it is about my own nervous system, my own thought process, my own wounds that keep me from really being vulnerable with you. Yes, I, I know. And then you gotta, you know, we can't discard the fact that we're all raised in different homes with different parents and they didn't know what they were doing either. So no wonder we're a hot mess, right? Yes. Right. (laughs) Yes. And yet there is redemption. There is beauty when we do the work. And that's really what I have a fully alive marriage. And that doesn't mean I have a marriage that is absence of pain. I have a marriage that has fights and pain and heartache, but we have learned the skills And we have learned how to engage our own story and then each other to be able to have a marriage that is robust. We can hold really, really hard, painful things and know it won't be the end of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can, we can actually not talk for, uh, for a little bit and know that I'm not completely rejected. 
I've worked through that in my own story. And so has he, he's learned how not that he doesn't have to avoid conflict for us to have connection. He actually needs to engage conflict for us to have connection. And this is true across the board. Your story dictates how you operate in your business, how you operate in your marriage, how you operate in your parenting. If you don't know where you come from and what has shaped you, you will lead listen and love through the grid of your pain and not through the grid of fullness. Mm, so good. So good. So I think that is a great place to end. I want everyone to grab a copy of free and fully alive and, um, Carrie tell, I mean, tell the listeners, you know, they've listened to this episode and they're like, ah, oh, yes, she's talking my language. I need more from her. <laughs> tell them where to go and what to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can always go to Carrie Scott Garcia on Instagram and Facebook. I'm always there. I run an organization called freedom movement, follow them freedom underscore movement. I'm sure you can put in the show notes or whatever. Yeah. We'll have uh, it in the show notes. For great. Sure. The website is we and it has all of my in-person trainings, online trainings, and all of that. The bottom line is, look, I know that all of you cannot afford to do all the things I get it. There's a lot of really great things out there in the world and, and it's expensive. I really wrote this book because it's going to help you get started. And sometimes we just need, what's, what is something that I can do for whatever it is, 18 bucks. I think it's on sale right now on Amazon. Uh, you know, uh, what can I do right now just to take one step? Let's not get so overwhelmed with what's down the road and what's my life going to, what can I do today? One step. And that's really why I wrote this book. There's a lot of things I can offer to you, but take the, take one step, read a book. The chapters are super short. <laughs> for a reason, for you to be able to take it in bite size, you owe it to yourself to at least go, what's one step I can take to start being curious around my story and see what God does next. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much, Carrie. Yeah, thank I you for it. writing this book. It's very needed. And thank you for all the work you do out in the world. Um, it's been a joy to talk to you and I wish you so much blessing and favor in the future. Thank you so much. Until next time, make room for what's most important to you. And hopefully it is part of being free and fully alive. <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs>